gather this morning because the highest name has set us free. We gather this morning because Jesus has made a way for each and every one of us, no matter where we're from, no matter what we carry in the room, he's made a way for each of us to be invited into his presence. And so we invite you this morning to rise and to sing with us as together we respond to who God is and what he's done for us. Let's stand and sing together.
as one church, as one body under the name of Jesus. Let's sing this out. Swing wide. Swing wide. All you heavens, let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All the children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Oh, swing wide, all you
of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Jesus Christ. Even when we were dead in sin, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God because of his great love. And that's why we gather this morning because of the great love of God and what he's done for us through his son, Jesus. So we're going to continue to sing. We want to teach you a new song this morning. It's called King of Kings. And uh, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus' life and death and resurrection and what that means for us. And so uh, we know it's a new song. We invite you to just sing along as you feel comfortable as hope leads us in this next song called King of Kings. Till from heaven you 
together. We can take some next steps in faith together. I want to give a special welcome to anyone who made their way down from Waverly this morning. We're so glad that you are here. 
And I know we had a lot of Grundy Center folks in the room this morning, but anybody here from Grundy Center, thank you so much. Probably making the trip up to be here this morning. And then uh, Cedar Falls, Cedar Valley folks, we're always glad to be together. It's so good. And college-age people uh, from UNI, from Warburg, from Hawkeye, wherever you're coming from, college-age people, you are such an important part of the body of Christ at Orchard Hill Church. We're so glad that you are here. Uh, we have uh, a really, really good morning. Uh, we have some wonderful things to do this morning, but we want to make sure that we make this space a welcoming place. So will you take a minute and turn to the people next to you, say good morning, uh, make this a welcoming place to be. Chestnut. This is my good friend and neighbor Doug Tenson, and uh, we're really pumped to be here this morning. We are. It is, a, it is a real privilege that we get to come up for a little while and just say good morning and welcome everybody here. We are glad that you are here. We've been planning for this day, for this morning, for quite some time, so thanks for being here and sharing it, sharing it with us. I'm going to invite our ushers uh, to come forward to receive our morning gifts and offerings. Uh, thank you so much for your support, your financial support of the ministries of Orchard Hill Church. Um, this isn't the only way that you can give. Uh, you can also give online through our website. You can give by using the, the PushPay app. And of course, if you are a visitor this morning uh, and you're not prepared to give, that, that's okay. You're really our guest this morning. We don't have any expectations like that for you. We are just really, really glad that you are here today. Yeah, uh, so one of the reasons we do this every year is that we are one church in three locations, mm -hmm. like I said, in Waverly, in Grundy Center, here in Cedar Falls. And if you are new, if you're here for the first time, we'd love to have you come and visit one of our campuses. Yep. Uh, our normal service times in Grundy Center and Cedar Falls are 9.15 and 10.45. Our service time in Waverly, and Waverly has this really unique experience of worshiping and meeting together in the middle school mm -hmm. in Waverly. They meet at 9.30, 9.30 a.m. in Waverly. We would love to have you come visit. If you'd like more information about any of our campuses, you can go online at orchardhillchurch.org. And finally, if we don't want you to miss out on what the big church, what uh, kids men, what student ministry, what events and programs and things that are happening on Sunday mornings. We don't want you to miss out because sometimes uh, you're just doing your thing and you don't know that God's moving in amazing ways all over the place. So we invite you to add uh, OH Church on Instagram, at OH Church on Instagram. You can pull out your phone right now. You've already did it if you were here earlier. Pull out your phones and follow us on Instagram, at OH Church. Not Kahoot. Not Kahoot. No, that no. would be okay. the wrong thing. OH Church. All right. Okay. Got it. Got it. We, there's actually one more thing that we wanted to share with you, something really important. It, it kind of really involves just a, a percentage of you, actually, but it's a really important thing. 
uh, thing that we wanted to share with you, and we didn't really feel like we were fully equipped to be able to, to do that. So Definitely we're going to bring in not. some help. We're going to bring Bradley Reese from our worship team, and then also Sarah, formerly Rocco, but now married, Sladke. Sarah Sladke from our college ministry, and they have something really important that they're going to share with all of y'all. All y'all. Yes, um, like Doug said, I'm Sarah, and this is Bradley, and we have an announcement for you college-age students in the room. And in college ministry, something that we like to do is uh, slow jam our announcements. Hit me four times! is a college-age ministry that meets each Thursday night at 8 p.m. in Lang Hall here on the UNI campus, where we experience music, teaching, and community together, where we believe all are welcome. Ooh, oh, you're between the ages of 18 and 22 or 27, depending how college went for you, come to face it. So we hope you join us this Thursday back in Lang Hall at 8 p.m. and bring a friend, you college-age students. Lang Hall, 8 p.m. It's gonna be nice, so bring all of your friends. Especially that roommate who never does the dishes because that guy needs Jesus. Also for you college students today, after the 11 a.m. service, we'll be serving our first college-age lunch of the year. Yes, menu as follows. Ooh, nothing like free food. We're serving it hot just for you. We have the award-winning You and I Catering Walking Taco featuring one corner-cut bag of Doritos filled full of your favorites. We'll start with the beef and cheese topped with our freshest sides. Let me tell you something about our fresh, fresh toppings. Lettuce, tomato, sour cream, salsa, and onions. We got that sour, sour cream, y'all. Mmm, that's sour cream. And on top of that walking taco, we can't forget that little sugar on the side. Oh, let me some sugar. I am your neighbor. We're having cookies. Cookies? Cookies, Bradley. We're having cookies. And finally, to keep you all hydrated, we got that high-quality H2O. So join us for the most affordable meal. Zero dollars and zero cents. That you'll have today after the 11 a.m. service here in the Gallagher Blue Door Performing Arts Center. All right, let's bring it home. One, two, three, four. So join us for lunch after the 11 a.m. service and back in Lang Hall at 8 p.m. on Thursday night. Excellent, excellent job. All right, we're going to slow it down even more. No, I, I, I can't compete. Uh, I want to say a prayer before we move into our, our teaching time, and I want to invite you to, to join me. So let's pray together. God, you know that we've been working on this uh, this morning for a long, long time. And really, no matter how hard we work, how much effort and planning we put into this morning, how much rehearsing and practicing we do, 
Um, we really need you. We need you here to take what we can do and, uh, and to use it to speak to our hearts and to our minds, not to motivate us, to inspire us, to potentially even change us. Could that even be possible? That we could leave here a little bit different, maybe a, a step closer to understanding something more about who you are and what it might mean to follow you. So I pray now that as, as Jeff comes up to teach that uh, we just keep our ears open, keep our hearts open, and listen. Listen carefully to what it is that you have to say to us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming us here. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said together, amen. You guys remember when tattoos used to be like for just like military veterans like my uh like my mer like my marine gym teacher back in junior high school he had a mermaid tattooed on his calf it was awesome you know but they were like reserved for like either that either like a marine or maybe um uh somebody who um was in a biker gang or a hardened criminal or something now like they're everywhere like everybody has a tattoo i went down to shoot this video with um hope and elliot and giants of people and a little hope chestnut myers that's who's getting the tattoo she grew up in this church you know she's got this tattoo these tattoos on her arms or um there was this mom who was uh my mom's age and she and her daughter were together there getting the same tattoo kind of uh, to celebrate their relationship which i thought that was, that was kind of cool. Uh, I just want to say before we get started that we're not here this morning to glorify tattoos or to say anything negative about tattoos. Um, kids, you know, you got to talk to your parents before you even think about a tattoo. And even when you're of age and you think you know that you want to put this permanent thing on your body, um, wait a few years to see if you still want that permanent thing on your body. Uh, I waited till I was 50. Probably should have waited till I was 60. That's another story, but, you know, just, just wait. Some of you, you know, it's, it's like tattoos. They're not for everybody. Some of you think that tattoos maybe aren't for anybody, which I think makes this a great metaphor. Like maybe one I could see Jesus using, you know, for Pharisees, for people, religious leaders who maybe didn't like tattoos, and he's going to use it as a metaphor to talk about the depths of his love. In fact, I can see Jesus saying something to like the religious people in the crowd, saying like, yeah, you guys are against tattoos, but, but let me tell you something that you don't know. You've already been tattooed. When God was putting you together in your mother's womb, as David talks about, he actually tattooed two words on your heart and your soul, the words mine and eternal. But then sin came along, and it 
It defaced those tattoos. They've been marred. And so I've come back to give you a new tattoo. And anybody who walks into my tattoo shop and wants their scars fixed or those tattoos repaired, he says, I'll do it. And I'll mark your heart and your soul with new words like rescued and redeemed, forgiven and restored. And I'll give you a tattoo that will never spoil or fade. But I also want you to do this. I want you to wear one tattoo on your body. In fact, anybody who follows me, anybody who puts their trust in me and becomes part of the body of believers who follows me, I want them to wear the same tattoo. John actually tells us what this tattoo is. He says that Jesus told them, by this, everyone will know my dis- you are my disciples if you love one another. He says, my followers are marked, they are tattooed with love for others that looks a lot like my love for them. This is the tattoo that's worn by anyone who is following Jesus. And we've got a tattoo that actually looks like this heart one right here with these words that actually are the words from the verse John 13, 35. They're available on the table at our face-to-face team. Temporary tattoos. So kids of all ages can take those and remember what it means to be marked by the love of God throughout the week. So we want to encourage you because Jesus says this is the tattoo that's worn by anyone who loves me, anyone who follows me. He says you can tell who my followers are because they're the ones tattooed with God's love all over their lives. Our mission at Orchard Hill Church is helping you, helping next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world. And we've done series in this church on on encountering Jesus. We've done some series on our strategies to help make that happen. This morning, we're kicking off this new series called Tattooed. It's really talking about what it means to follow Jesus, what it looks like to be a follower of his. And we're using this tattoo metaphor as as it occurs to me. As I was thinking about tattoos, I have my own tattoo and and I've talked to other people that there's like three questions that always come up when somebody gets a tattoo. Anybody know what those three questions are? Anytime somebody gets a tattoo? Did it hurt? That's one of the questions right away. Yes. What does it mean? That's another one of the questions. Where do you get it? Those are the three questions that I hear over and over again. Where did you get it? What does it mean? Did it hurt? And the other one is how much did it cost? Which goes right along with did it hurt in my book? Those are the same three questions that occurs to me that people who maybe are introduced to God's love for the first time or invited to follow Jesus for the first time might be asking, where did you get this love? What does it mean? What does it cost? Does it hurt? And the same three questions that followers of Jesus ought to be asked when they encounter people who don't know Jesus as those people ask, where did you get this kind of love? What does it mean? Does it hurt? I want to speak to three groups of people in the room this morning. First group I want to speak to is people who maybe don't know Jesus, who aren't following Jesus yet. And the second group I want to speak to is people who have been tattooed by this love of God, but maybe that tattoo, the ink in it's faded a little bit over time. And the third group I want to speak to in this room are those people who maybe have been wounded. Maybe some of those wounds are causing you to wonder, was it worth it in the first place to get the tattoo? Or you've forgotten what it really means. First, let me say a word to those of you who maybe don't know Jesus, aren't following Jesus, maybe you don't believe in God. I want to say thank you so much for being here. We are really glad that you're here. 
And we actually think we have a lot that we can learn from you. I said, we don't believe that Christians have a corner on the market of love or loving others well. And you probably know this better than any of us because you've run into some Christians with some really bad tattoos. That their love just hasn't been very memorable. It hasn't been a good thing. And I know that I've met plenty of people who don't follow Jesus, who don't believe in God, who love really, really well. And so you might be asking, okay, so then what difference does Jesus make? Does Jesus make? Why is it that you want to talk to me about Jesus or I should follow him in order to love well? I just want to offer you this this morning. I believe that God is the author of love. And more than the author of love, I believe that he is love. He's the source of love and all love flows from God. Where do I get this idea? It's actually from one of Jesus' best friends who spent a lot of time with Jesus when he was on earth. His name, again, is John, and he tells us this. He says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And when we do, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Friends, it's not about whether you know or whether you love God this morning. God loves you. And John says Jesus is that manifestation of God's love. He says, says, take a look at Jesus, get to know Jesus, follow Jesus around a little bit, and you will understand the love God has for you and the kind of life that he is inviting you into. But more than that, your ability to love others actually comes from God himself. So I just want to encourage you to keep loving well. And as you do, I encourage you to keep your eyes and your ears and your mind and your hearts open because if Jesus is the manifestation of God's love, you will encounter Jesus as you continue to love others well. I want to ask you, is it possible that your deepest convictions, that your beliefs about God or about Jesus have been formed through an event or circumstances or a person who maybe has inflicted some pain or loss, or a sense of brokenness on your life. And maybe you've attributed that pain, or that loss, or that brokenness to God. I want you to know, I don't believe God caused that pain, or that brokenness. In fact, I think Jesus came to die for the sin that has caused that pain in your life. Not just the sin in you, but all of the messed up stuff in the world. He went to the cross to destroy that, so that he could make you whole again and invite you to have your hope restored and your love restored. And we would love to be a place and a people where you could grow and be established and rooted in that love and come to know the full dimension of God's love. He wants for you to know how high and deep and long and wide is his love for you. That you could have a tattoo filled to the full measure with God's ink of love in your life. Second group, if you're a follower here today, 
Where'd you get your tattoo? Where'd you get that tattoo of God's love? Do you remember? Do you remember what it means? How much it cost or whether it hurt when you got it? Tattoos always have a story behind them. It seems like there's always some sense of meaning. And it's important for us to remember what that meaning is behind this tattoo of love that Jesus has given to us. And I, I'm guessing it's not just me, but sometimes the ink in that too gets a little bit faded as we forget, right? And, and, and then our intensity and our focus on following Jesus and loving others well tends to fade a little bit with that because we forget about the story, the original story of God's love in our own lives. A friend of mine and I were recently talking about some challenges at work, and uh, he's a leader in his company, and uh, so he's you know, trying to figure out how do I keep my focus on the goals for the organization as well as my personal and professional goals, and then I've got all these people who have their goals and, and just their needs, and, and he goes, it just gets overwhelming sometimes, and sometimes we just, we just kind of want to leave some of that stuff to the side. I don't know if we can keep doing it, and then I asked him, I said, yeah, but isn't the challenge what makes work meaningful? Like, would you even show up if you didn't have any challenges at work? Would you even go to, what would the point of being to go to work if we didn't have challenges in our job? Challenges drive us forward. They give meaning to our lives. In our own uh, lives, we think about exercise. That's what a challenge is like. It's like, you know, we walk or we run or we lift weights or we eat right, these sorts of things that maybe aren't always fun, but they, they keep us healthy and they drive us forward. It's all over in our lives. It's, it's getting up to an alarm clock. It's showing up to work every day. It's going to class. It's not buying that thing that's going to put us into debt. These things are so important in our lives. They're even more important in our life of faith, these challenges. I was thinking of Peter, the story of when Peter walked on water from, from the Gospels. And Peter actually invited himself into this challenge he said, it was one kind of a, Jesus is walking out to him on water. Jesus says, Peter says, hey, can I come walk with you? And Jesus says, yeah, come on out. Take the challenge. He steps out of the boat. And for a second while he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he walks on the water. And then, yes, he failed. He started to sink. And immediately Jesus reaches out his hand. And he pulls him back into the boat. And he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had climbed into the boat and the wind died down, those in the boat worshiped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. By stepping out of the boat into this challenge, Peter learned two things. One, he learned that he, he had room to grow. His faith had some room to grow. But second, even with just a little faith, a small faith, he could walk on water as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. His faith grew, and not only his faith, but the faith of all those who were in the boat with him. Did you catch that? He said, they worshiped him. They all said, truly, you are the Son of God. They had a new revelation of God's power and the life he was inviting them into. They got new ink. And where did this come from? It came from Peter getting out of the boat stepping into a challenge, maybe with really small, imperfect faith, with lots of doubts, but he stepped out of the boat and into the challenge. What does it mean? 
It seems that Jesus wants to show us more, more of his power and this life, and this love that he has in mind for us, and that that life isn't in the comfort of a boat. It's out in the midst of these challenges, out trying to do the impossible. If we keep our eyes on him, it just might happen. And even when we fail, Jesus' hand is right there to reach out and rescue us. Does it hurt? Peter got wet. Water might have been a little cold. I imagine his ego was bruised. He was embarrassed, but he grew. And think about this experience he had. No one has ever had the same experience Peter had of walking on the water. My friends Derek and Kristen Kimball experienced this themselves recently. I think they were kind of in this group a little bit where maybe the ink in their tattoos was a little less bright. Life was good. Their faith was solid. But it just seemed like something was missing a little bit. They just weren't having that same spark maybe by going to church or doing some of the other stuff. So the ink of their tattoo was fading just a little bit. And then they stepped into a challenge. I want you to hear their story. Take a look at this video on the screen. I had a friend who adopted a child. Um, so that kind of planted the seed, like what would that be like if we considered adoption? Uh, and then one of the gathering services, I don't, remember, I don't remember what year Dave was speaking, and he was talking about how we are adopted into the family of God through Jesus. I'm just kind of using the idea of adoption as a vehicle for the gospel. And we were sitting there with, you know, a thousand other mm -hmm. people at Gallagher Blue Dorn, and, and I just felt like Dave kept looking right at me. And I was like, oh my, like. We looked at each other in the middle of the service and we were like, oh crap. We really did. We were like, this is what we're supposed to do. And that is scary because we knew nothing about it. And just started forward progress and adopted two internationally and then adopted privately here local in like Blackhawk County and then thought, there's a lot of kiddos here. There are a lot of kiddos in our backyard, and, and maybe it's not as scary as we think it is. And so it's just kind of one of those things that you hear, and you feel, and then you jump. So we jumped. <laughs> yeah. So like in our, our first foster placement that we had, it was two kids, three and a two-year-old. And then our kids were three, eight, and nine. And those two children had some pretty severe trauma that we did not know before they came into our house and um, that seven month stretch was like we're gasping for air barely above water just you know it was tough um, my faith took a huge hit during that time i was in maybe one of the lowest points in my relationship with jesus that i've ever been in in my entire life um, because i quit including Jesus in it, it got really hard and it felt like I didn't have time to do anything except love these two children. And my mistake there was not including Jesus in that, like not understanding that Jesus wanted to walk with me and with Derek while loving these kids. I, it's not a one or the other. Um, and that was a hard lesson for me to learn until the one night we got really, it was a really hard night and I literally fell down to the ground and just knew I couldn't do it anymore. And that's a big turning point for me and has helped with future foster care placements and with parenting, knowing that Jesus wants to do it with me. It's not something that I have to do by myself. And when I tried, it was an epic failure. 
the leadership summit of 2017, they weren't talking about foster care. It was actually Andy Stanley who was speaking. And I don't even know what it was. It was just like the Lord was kind of speaking through him, but it wasn't the words that Andy was saying. It was just something that was kind of impressed upon me that day that we being foster and adoptive parents needed to consider doing more for the other adoptive and foster parents in our community that just struggle and just have, just need more support. And so I was a high school math teacher for eight years. So then when Cedar Valley Angels was kind of on the horizon, uh, this nonprofit thing, um, I remember I was meeting with a college student and uh, she, I was telling her about this, this idea that I had of Cedar Valley Angels and it's kind of starting to pick up some traction and I'm a little bit afraid of what might come next, but um, I, and I don't know that I am really equipped to lead it. And she said to me, isn't that like half the stories we read in the Bible of like people that said yes, that jumped in, that weren't equipped, but they were willing. And I, that was like a holy moment for me, like to have her not even realizing the truth she was speaking over me at that moment. Um, it was a big deal. The foster care community has been a really fun challenge for me that has really brought life to my faith because I do better when I jump. If you're feeling like you're in a mundane place, there's, there's gonna be something that you could jump into. It's just kind of exploring. And maybe it's getting involved with Cedar Valley Angels or the foster care system, but it, your passion could be with a lot of, lie in a lot of different areas. And so figuring out what that means and not being afraid to jump in, you never know what's gonna happen. There's a lot of joy that happens when you do something scary and do something nerve wracking. The joy that comes from that can be really, really special. amazing story of what happens, what happened with this family when they jumped. And notice they didn't jump alone, that Jesus was waiting there to meet them. And this joy that it's brought to their lives, this joy and this help and this support that it's brought to our community, to so many people who were looking for that encouragement, where did they get this? Where did they get this love to share with others? It came because they were open and they were listening and they got out of the boat when, when Jesus asked them to. What does it mean? You know, it means that, that they and, and so many people in the Sierra Valley are being encouraged and supported and loved with the love of God. Was it painful? Does it, did it hurt? You know, it cost a risk. It took some challenge for them. But God's doing amazing things. What might be the next step for you that Jesus is speaking to you about this morning? Maybe Maybe he's laid something on your heart. Maybe he's laid a big dream on your heart you've been holding back on. Or maybe there's a sense of discontent, like there's some wrongs that need to be righted and you've been feeling that way for a while and maybe you are a part of the solution somehow. Or maybe you're in this room and you just feel like there's just too many challenges in your life right now. You're not ready to step out of the boat. Well, maybe God wants to take those challenges as an opportunity to show you again his love for you and the life that he has for you. Maybe it's fighting for a marriage or, or your kids or for your coworkers or something at work. 
Maybe it's fighting for the environment or for a friendship or the church. I don't know, but what might it be that God is inviting you into? A new territory where he's already just waiting there for you. Just step forward and let him show you again his goodness and his love and his faithfulness. You know, Linda Bartlett reminded me as I was preparing for this that I should remind you that, you know, um, when you're getting a tattoo, it's important to consider where you're putting it on your body because as you age, certain parts start to sag. And I thought about this, and I thought about, you know, when Jesus' love in our lives starts to sag, it doesn't sag well either. So I want to encourage you. For those of you whose tattoos may be fading, Maybe step into a challenge and exercise those muscles underneath that tattoo. Maybe put some new skin in the game. Step out of the boat into the challenge where Jesus can mark you again with his tattoo of his love. New expressions, fresh ink. Finally, group number three. Those of you who have been wounded or experiencing loss and pain, and I know there's a lot of us in the room, I know a lot of my friends have had Difficult summers, loss of loved ones, loss of jobs, loss of family members and, and, and reputation. And it may seem like these wounds or these hard things are kind of covering up this tattoo of God's love and making it hard for you to remember or, or see or experience God's love in your life. I want to encourage you. You know, you can forget getting out of the boat, forget taking on a new challenge right now. Some of you have just been being battered by the wind and the waves and the rain, and maybe your boat's capsized, just hanging on for dear life. I just want to encourage you with Peter's own words. Peter, who, who encouraged us to place our eyes fully on the grace that will be fully realized when Jesus is revealed to keep your eyes fixed on the grace that will be fully realized when Jesus returns. I know it's hard to do. This is hard to do. It's hard to keep our eyes fully on this grace, even when things are going well, let alone when our world seems to be falling apart. But this promise of sufficient grace for today, of a better life tomorrow, and the promise of heaven is not some sort of backup plan. This is the cornerstone, the foundation, the central promise that Peter encourages us to keep our eyes, our hearts, and our minds fixated on. I'm working through a Bible study called 40 Days of Prayer. It's a really practical Bible study by Rick Warren. It's going to take me more like 140 days, just my pace. That's okay. But part of it is he asks you to uh, meditate on, uh, or to think about, to listen, to spend some time in quiet after you read a short uh, passage from the Bible. So I was driving to Florida by myself. I had 16 hours in the car one way. That's a lot of time to just sit and listen and think. And that's the whole idea is like teaching about prayer or the part of listening, not just talking to Jesus. And the verse that day was 1 Corinthians 2 Verse 9, where Paul writes, he says, No eye has seen, no ear uh, has heard, no mind has imagined all that God has in store and prepared for those who love him. And I drove with the radio off, and I just started thinking about this verse for a little while, this short little verse. I just thought, you know, I've seen some really cool things whether it's nature, whether it's accomplishments by human beings, some really amazing things. I've heard some really 
cool stuff, whether it's, again, about stories of transformation or, or inspiration, whatever that is. And I, I've imagined a lot of cool things. I've read some great books from C.S. Lewis. I've read some books from uh, J.R. Tolkien. I mean, they get really imaginative in describing these different worlds and things like that. And it's like God saying, yeah, think about all of that stuff. And then know this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined all that I have prepared for those who love me. That's amazing. So I want to encourage all of us in the room this morning, let's imagine more. Let's take an eternal perspective and let it fill us with with curiosity and and drive us forward with excitement and hope and anticipation and, and assurance. Let's let it fuel our faith and our life with enthusiasm so that even in the midst of our pain and suffering, we can offer encouragement to others. As we do this, as we trust in God and hold to his promise, we will demonstrate to others God's love for us. We will be marked by his love for us. Peter's encouragement empowers us by reminding us that it's the hope of heaven that keeps us loving others well, even when it gets unbelievably painful and difficult. Where do we get this kind of love? It comes directly from God through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. What does it mean? It means he has more love for us and in store for us than we could possibly imagine. What does it cost? Does it hurt? Cost Jesus his life. It can be hard. It can be scary. Growing in this kind of love requires that we step into challenges and often will lead us through the midst of pain and suffering. But followers of Jesus are tattooed with a love for others that looks an awful lot like God's love for us. And by this, everyone will know we are his followers if we love one another. Will you pray with me? Father, you are the author of this love. You are the source of this love. Father, for those in the room who maybe don't know you yet, maybe haven't encountered Jesus, but want to, are looking to, help them to keep loving well, help them to keep receiving love well. Sometimes it's harder to receive that kind of love than it is to even give that love. And as they do, help them to pay attention that they might encounter you in the midst of that love. For those of us in the room, Lord, who maybe the ink has faded a little bit and you've been asking us to step out into the boat, or maybe there have been sufficient challenges in our life that we just haven't realized that these are opportunities that you put into our life, Lord, to fill us with your love, to help us to experience it, and help us to love others well. So help us to do that. And for those, Lord, who are in pain or suffering or who are wounded or having a hard time, Lord, meet them in the midst of that. Remind them that they're not alone. Remind them that you are with them, that you are for them, that you have this promise of heaven that awaits us, something that we can't even begin to imagine. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand. We're going to take a chance to respond and reflect and sing together.
crazy powerful love, right? The roaring lion came out of that grave claiming death has no claim on me. It's the kind of love God wants to mark us with in our lives, that we might go and bear that mark and share that love with others. So I encourage you to think, where are you at today? What's your story? What does it mean? Have you been marked by that love? How might Jesus be inviting you to be marked again fresh? fresh ink. Uh, we have these temporary tattoos. They are temporary. They also work great on water bottles. You can grab those at the face-to-face -face table. College students, the lunch has been moved indoors. Do you want to do that? Yeah, it's not that That's why I wasn't asked to do slow jam. Uh, have a great Sunday, and we invite you to come back as we start this series called Tattooed, and we talk a little bit more about what it looks like to be followers of Jesus. Thanks so much for being here.